everybody has fond memories of a Volkswagen bus. You meet people, I meet people all the time who grew up in a bus, in the little cot-like attachment over the front, you know, their parents had one or whatever. Everybody has something to say about it. Everybody has something to say about it, indeed. So, in the last episode, we interviewed Bo and Susanna in the Finger Lakes of New York. At the end of their interview, they told us about a fellow musician, Brett Beardsley, who also owned a VW bus. Since our original interview canceled on us... Oh my, you're never going to let that go, are you? It's my white whale. Joe, someday we will interview you. At any rate, we had the time and we showed up on this guy's doorstep at 2 or 3 in the afternoon. And it was this rainy day and he doesn't know Miracle and I from Adam. After finishing a beer, Brett stepped outside in the rain to show us his bus. Lucy Lucy. And uh, she's, I think, somewhere in the eight. 150,000 mile and I can't wait to roll it. I've, you know, I've, I'm on my like third speedometer so it's hard to keep track. When I bought it, it the speedometer didn't even, uh, the odometer didn't work and I drove it for five years like that. Now this bus is one wild ride, a 1958 panel van. The outside has been spray painted and airbrushed with murals the once solid walls now have portal windows cut into them, and the wheel wells have been cut out. The front of the bus has a giant pair of steer horns like an old Cadillac. Mechanically, it's equally impressive. I, I carry a skateboard, and I can pull the motor out of this in about 20 minutes on a skateboard. And I've had to do it many times, you know. It's knowing how to fix them. You're always listening to it. Knowing what you need, carrying the right parts to fix it. And, uh... You know, the little sound it makes, and it's air-cooled, and it's quirky. And also, it'll, like, climb a tree. These things are really hard to... you got to really work to get it stuck. We got, you know, we go places we definitely should not go in this thing. We cross Monarch Pass at, like, 12,000 feet, and, and stop and adjust the timing on the way up, and stop, let it cool down, and... You're not in a hurry. It teaches you to not be in a hurry and then you uh, get so much more out of your journey by not being in a hurry. And sometimes they end up camping where they shouldn't. Police don't always like it that much, but, you know. That's the thing about, like, this little thing. Like, you guys with a pop top, as soon as you pop that top, the police know you're camping. That's like a sign. And this one, we have, like, portholes covered and the windows drawn. It's totally dark. You would have no idea that it was it's so small, you wouldn't think that somebody's in there, you know. Mm-hmm. But you'd be laying in bed and constantly hearing people around the van, like, dude, look at this, oh my god. And then every now and then, like, there's someone in there! <laughs> as impressive as the outside looks, the interior is equally incredible. The walls are decoupaged with comic books and drawings. The cabinets are retrofitted from an old yacht. Who did the decoupage inside? Was it already done when you got it? It, it had been started by the previous owner, and uh, I broke my leg in a motorcycle accident and just kept going with it. And I'm still do it. Like you can see, they fade, and I uh, keep patching it up with like newer, brighter stuff. But we- that's a lot of my childhood in the comic books there. Well, and how, if you could guess how long this has taken really to decoupage the whole thing, would you have a? Time it's not estimate? done. It's so been it's 25 always- years. Yeah, yeah. Everything, like, I mean, if you look in there, every single, like, little inch of this has been thought out and accounted for and improved. 
Like if you stick your head in there, that little like paper towel holder and wine rack, the paper towels kept unraveling when I was sleeping. So I made a little spring loaded like fork that hold, keeps them from unraveling. Yeah, <laughs> you'll appreciate it. It's all like uh, little, little things like that. Oh I just did the steering rope steering wheel and microphone shifter. Oh my gosh. And, uh, that gas kind of money can was an old beer can we found in the desert in Texas. We're talking about one of those cans with the pull tab. Brett has it wired onto the dash with like some chicken wire or something. The seat and the floor are covered with this floral upholstery fabric and there's a tasseled fringe lining the ceiling. Decals cover nearly every square inch of the dash. And they say things like Richard Petty for president or Area 51 parking permit. And my favorite one that reads, don't sweat the petty things, pet the sweaty things. I didn't know anything about air-cooled motors. Mm -hmm. And I had to learn on the way. It came with the John Muir idiot's guide, the busted guy. Uh, when he sold it to me, this guy... Rayal Andrews, his name was. He made me smoke a four-foot bong in the back of it at his house, and then I had to drive it home. I'd never driven the thing. I was terrified. It was in Mul Mulholland Drive and, like, above the Hollywood Hills, all twisty, turny. Was the bong a test? Like, would he not sell it to you if you couldn't do the bong? I like, think so, <laughs> yeah. This bus is practically made of stories. You can look at it and tell it has a history. In fact, the bus has a Hollywood career. And so, it came with an agent. I, I did a couple of music videos with it, uh, photo shoots with the Dandy Warhols and uh, Reese Witherspoon and a couple other things. I was an actor when I lived in Hollywood, and one year the bus made more money than I did. <laughs> so they're just, like, looking for, like, you know, generic, like, hippie bus, you know, whatever background. And, like, well, this guy has one. It was in a porno out there. I What's made it like called, you know, uh, Tales from the Black Side. Okay. Yeah, I got fifty bucks and got to like have like access to the buffet table <laughs> and, and like watch the filming. It was a trip. I was like, you guys can't be in the bus. You can use it a background, or you're gonna have to put a tarp down or something. But it was just it like background. To watch a porno being filmed. It was horrifying. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was like okay. two cops with this dude who was incredibly well endowed and they handcuffed his dick to my bumper that's, well, that's like i'm like i'm sorry now. well i'm still apologizing to her about it you know like what do you say to your best friend like i'm sorry it was 50 bucks you know plus buffet table <laughs> yeah. what, what was on the buffet table <laughs> it's sandwich sandwich stuff yeah oh, I, didn't that. I didn't trust the mayonnaise but we just went stuck with the cold cuts as Brett talks about Juicy Lucy, I began to notice something. Maybe it was the mid-afternoon beer catching up with him, but it seemed almost like he was getting misty talking about his history with the bus. When he says he apologized to her, you can feel it and know it's true. You can see Brett sitting in that front seat asking Lucy to forgive him. I'm just going to have to keep this one going. And I couldn't, like, not have this one i know everything about it you know it like and we've been too through too much so, so i think of it like a person you know actually i 
like it more than a person. <laughs> now, Lucy and Brett have been in some more reputable films, including a documentary called Rubber Tramps. The movie is narrated by author and countercultural icon Ken Kesey. It's a great film, and it talks a lot about how important this is as a part of American history of people like living in their vehicles and like truly being free on the road and living below the radar. And, you know, it's like heartbreaking and like breathtakingly beautiful both at once. And the making of this film saw some of Brett's biggest tests. There was a time when I was living in it. It was when we were working on rubber tramps and we weren't making any money. And I was living in this van on the side of the road and my girlfriend at the time was like, bring it over to my dad's house and you can uh, pull it in the parking lot. That engine had blown a rod and that, that engine was shot and I didn't have the money to fix it. And that girlfriend and I ended up in a huge fight and breaking up and I ended up pushing the van out of her parents' like driveway like four blocks down the road to like sleep in the side of some like warehouse district and fret and stew and... And my boss didn't have no idea, like, oh, how am I going to get out of this situation? I can't even afford a tow truck. I mean, how did you get out of that situation? Well, I ended up meeting the right guys who could help me with another motor. And uh, I bought a used motor for, like, 200 bucks and lotted it back in there. And we finished making the film. And I lived in it while we were, the whole time we were making the film. And then I went back to regular work after that and just kept fixing things as I could. But rubber tramps also gave Brett some of his favorite bus memories. Sitting in this bus with Ken Kesey after like crawling through the original further, uh, Mary Prankster's bus, which was rotting in the swamp on his property. And then the newer one that they had and, and uh, just shooting the shit with him about the lifestyle and being on the road, but so many places are just waking up in the middle of nowhere, you know, in just extreme beauty. And it's just, you know, you and your wife and the, this, and you've got everything you need. Always worried about running out of beer, so you can't be too far out in the middle of nowhere, but. Admittedly, it took Miracle and I a few minutes to place the name Ken Kesey. But it never takes librarian long to solve a literary mystery. Keezy is probably best known for writing One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. The Merry Pranksters were his traveling groupies who rode around on a psychedelic school bus named Further. Tom Wolfe famously wrote about their escapades in The Electric Kool-Aid Acid Test. In addition to Juicy Lucy being featured prominently in the film, Brett did the soundtrack called Rubber Tramp Road. And uh, Rubber Tramp Road is a really nice like traveling blues kind of uh, road music album. Uh, Steve Lukather from Toto plays with me on that record on a couple songs. Uh, wow. One of Ozzy's old uh, bass players uh, plays on there. A couple guests, but mostly it's, it's acoustic traveling music. Traveling music. Give it a listen, folks. You can find him on Spotify. Also, a disclaimer about his other stage persona, Uncle Bumpy. Uh, well, I don't think you want to plug Uncle Bumpy's Big Banana Blowout because it's incredibly offensive. But if you do, that's it. I mean, but, it depends on what type of offensive. But I mean, thanks to our friends in the Finger Lakes for introducing us to the local bus community. 
Read more of our adventures, including our 26,000-mile road trip, by stopping by our website, ontheroadwithaddy.com. And check out our Instagram, ontheroadwithaddy. Addy is spelled A-D-I-E. Until next time, friends. 